to this week's Money Metals podcast, helping gold and silver investors during these turbulent times. Now, this week's market wrap with commentary and analysis from Money Metals Exchange, the company named best overall precious metals dealer by Investopedia. Welcome to this week's Market Wrap podcast. I'm Michael Eason. Gold and silver markets drifted lower again this week as investors braced for additional Fed rate hikes to come. On Wednesday, the Federal Reserve released the minutes from its latest policy meeting. Policymakers agreed on the need for additional increases in interest rates. They settled on just a quarter percent bump up at their last meeting, but some dissenters called for a larger half a percent hike. Since the Fed's last move, incoming economic data has been emboldening the hawks. A superficially strong U.S. jobs report combined with stubbornly high inflation readings suggests central bankers may have more work to do. Following the Fed's policy meeting earlier this month, Chairman Jay Powell declared that disinflation was taking hold. But since then, inflation indicators have shown the opposite, that price levels in the economy continue to come in high and continue to exceed most forecasts. Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis President James Bullard is casting doubt on Powell's call for disinflation to take hold. Bullard says monetary policy is not yet sufficiently restrictive. And in recent remarks, he warned that if the Fed is too soft on inflation, we risk a repeat of the 1970s. Inflation's a pernicious problem, so it is a risk and it does affect one of the lessons of the last two years is that everybody feels the effects of inflation. It's pretty much across the spectrum. So rich and poor, young and old, everybody notices. So if we can't get this problem under control soon, we risk a replay of the 1970s. In the 70s, the U.S. monetary policy did not act strongly enough to keep inflation under control. Let's hope that we get disinflation in 2023, but right now it came in hotter than we thought. Of course, the 1970s were a difficult decade for investors. Bonds got clobbered while stocks suffered a severe bear market in real inflation-adjusted terms. Precious metals were the standout asset class of the 1970s, culminating in a manic run to record highs in gold and silver in January 1980. We aren't yet seeing that kind of outperformance take shape. Although demand for physical bullion remains strong, there's little speculative interest on the long side manifesting in futures markets or exchange-traded funds. In recent weeks, traders have been more inclined to sell metals contracts. As of this Friday recording, the gold market is posting a weekly loss of 1.8% to bring spot prices to $1,818 an ounce. Silver is off 4% since last Friday's close to trade at $21.06 an ounce. Platinum is down 1.4% this week to come in at $929. And finally, palladium prices are down a whopping 8.2% for the week to trade at $1,435 per ounce. Metals markets are entering oversold territory and may be due for a technical bounce in the near future. Whether that develops into a more sustainable breakout will likely depend on whether the Federal Reserve indicates it will be winding down its rate hiking campaign. For now, gold and silver bulls will view any bad news on the economy as good news. In other news on the sound money front, both houses of the Mississippi legislature have voted overwhelmingly to exempt physical gold, silver, platinum, and palladium coins and bullion from state sales taxes. The bill now awaits the signature of Republican Governor Tate Reeves. Mississippi is set to become the 43rd state to exempt sound money from state sales taxes. A dozen other states are currently considering legislation to rescind sales or income taxes on precious metals transactions. The more tax and regulatory barriers to broad public participation in physical gold and silver markets that are removed, the greater the surge in buying will be if a 1970s-style mania phase in precious metals ensues. For much more important information on the battle for sound money unfolding across the nation right now, here's a replay of a comprehensive interview of Money Metals President Stefan Gleason on the Gold Exchange podcast this past week. Stay tuned. You know, we've really been seeing an explosion in this activity in the last few years. I'd, I'd say, you know, some of it has to do with our efforts at Money Metals and the Sound Money Defense League. And some of it is, frankly, just a result of the economic circumstances we're in, where inflation and 
and the Federal Reserve and, 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 and all the intervention in the market has really caused some pushback among state legislators and, and of course, people in general. Welcome to the Gold Exchange Podcast, where we untangle market and policy complexity using timeless economic principles. For show notes and archives, go to goldexchangepodcast.com. Now, on to today's episode. Back to the Gold Exchange Podcast. My name is Benjamin Nadelstein. I'm joined, as always, by founder and CEO of Monetary Metals, Keith Wiener. Today, we are joined by a special guest, Stefan Gleason. Stefan, how are you doing? Hey, Ben. I'm great. Good to see both of you guys today. Yeah, we're really, really excited to have you. There's some big news kind of in the air in the sound money community, and we thought we better to have on than you. Uh, and Keith, how are you doing today? Are you excited? Uh, we've, we've got a special guest on. We've got some great topics. Are we looking forward to it? Absolutely. Stefan's been a, uh, a good friend for, seems what, about a decade almost? Almost. Uh, and a uh, client, so Stefan's the CEO of Money Metals Exchange, who's been a monetary metals lessee for maybe not quite a decade, but half at least. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's good to see you again, Stefan. Yeah, it's great. I, I I love what you guys do uh, across the board, and also just the way you're sort of you know inventing and and creating all the time, and 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 really finding solutions, which which obviously work, as I know firsthand. Very cool. All right, let's let's jump in uh, with just a basic question, at least for me. We've had JP Cortez on the podcast as well, talking about sound money initiatives. But why don't you give us a quick broad sure. overview? What is sound money? Yeah. Why should we want sound money? And what is the kind of landscape in 2023 for sound money initiatives? Right. Well, sound money is the system of um, a monetary system, as, as Keith well knows, and, and most of the listeners know, where you have honesty and you have uh, actual money circulating that retains and holds its value, that's stable. And that was the system that we had in the U.S. all the way up until basically 1971. Uh, or at least till 1913, when when the Federal Reserve System was created, and of course, you know that was a system where you know the market price of money was set by the market and not by government uh, planners, central planners. And now we have a system of central planning by using monetary policy and pulling levers and creating money and and expanding liquidity and contracting liquidity and and it's a it's a become a political money it's become really fake money because we don't even have uh, actual money circulating anymore it's a representation of money and that has led to just a complete spiral in inflation and and in confidence and so you know you know we look at this problem as mostly caused by the federal at the federal level um by the federal reserve system by the US treasury by the dominant economic thought, Keynesian economics, which forced out, you know, sound money thinking and Austrian economics and so forth. And, uh, you know, that's where the problem originates. But where the policy, I think, where the really exciting opportunities to push back and reinstitute or at least begin promoting sound money again, other than just people doing it privately on their own by going on their own gold standard, their own silver standard, which, of course, people can do and should do. But more from a policy standpoint, um, we're seeing a lot of opportunities at the state level to really uh, do the things, at least states that that states have some things they can do to promote and defend the concept of sound money. And it's really the province of the states under Article 1, Section 10 of the U.S. Constitution, uh, gold and silver is essentially the money of the states. And in fact, states were and are prohibited from making payment in anything but gold and silver coin for payment of its debts. Uh, we've gotten away from that. That's kind of a long, complicated you know, story and, and a, legal, a lot of legal uh, questions raised there. But the idea of states reassuming their monetary role in promoting gold and silver as money is not only viable, but it's something that we are seeing a lot of enthusiasm about. Um, and you know, you have a scenario where you have states that are competitive with each other and you have an opportunity to, you know, push and, and propose policies and see how they work and see how they're adopted. And then states start looking at what each other are doing. And, you know, we've really been seeing an explosion in this activity in the last few years. I'd, I'd say, you know, some of it has to do with our efforts at Money Metals and the Sound Money Defense League. And some of it is frankly just a result of the economic circumstances we're in, where inflation and 
and the Federal Reserve and, 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 and all the intervention in the market has really caused some pushback among state legislators and, and of course, people in general. And so we're just seeing a tremendous amount of enthusiasm. This year, we actually have more bills than, than we've ever had. There's 22 states currently, right now as we speak, in this January, February legislative period where a lot of the sessions have come back in, there are 22 states that have bills right now that we're tracking or working on, or even in some cases drafted to promote sound money in various ways. And, and uh, you know, we can get into the categories of that, but I can definitely say that it's an incredible increase in interest and enthusiasm and, uh, and hopefully success. Um, I can tell you from my own personal experience, having been involved at the state level, um, trying to promote some of this stuff from about 2012 to 2017, whenever, whatever year Arizona finally, after five years, passed its watered-down gold legislation. Right. And um, my thought then was that the way you know the media works and sort of collective consciousness, one can be dismissed as, oh, that's some crazy, stupid libertarian thing in Arizona or Utah. Two can be dismissed as a fluke. You know, but one, two, three, many. And um, we never really got to the many. And um, I kind of got a bit burned out on it and, and decided I was going to go in a different direction um, and, and try to achieve this via monetary metals as a, as a for-profit. Um, but it's really exciting to see that that theory, you know, going into practice and that now it's not just one, two, three, many, it's one, two, three, 22. Right. 50 yeah. states. I guess actually you got to count. There's a few more that probably don't have legislation because they already have passed something really cool. So it's probably yeah. more than half the states either have something currently pending or or yeah. already passed something. That is, I almost could. I mean, I knew what the theory was in 2012, but I couldn't really imagine, you know, how that would play out, you know, 10, 11 years later. Very cool. Yeah, it's, I mean, definitely that helped get the ball rolling. So those efforts were very valuable in in in, in what we're seeing today. You know, and specifically in Arizona, they eliminated the uh, income tax on precious metals. They already didn't have a sales tax. So you, that was the bill you were working on with the income tax. It had other parts that fell off, I guess. But, um, but you, you know, know, that's one of the, times, the, the prototypes out there. You know, three times by two different Republican governors. That's right. Yes. And every one of those pieces was hacked off violently by a politicized <laughs> process that to this day my head still reels from it. Yeah. But that's one of the model bills on the income tax issue. And it, it was a, a really good bill because it was a tax neutral one. It basically, you know, it just says, you know, at the state level, we don't recognize gold and silver as a capital asset that will be taxed by the income tax. It's it's just like the Federal Reserve note. It's transparent. There's no gains, there's no losses. And, you know, of course, because of inflation and devaluation, that will generally inure to the benefit of, of people who, you know, sell gold that have gains and therefore won't have to pay taxes on them at the state level. But there's there's bills literally right now on just like that one or very similar uh, coming up in Idaho, but already introduced in Iowa, already introduced in uh, Missouri, already induced, introduced in West Virginia, South Carolina. Um, Kansas, Michigan, and Arkansas right now, um, just right. just on the capital gains issue that, that started with Arizona and Utah. That's a big impediment to circulation. If, if, if there's enough groundswell at the state level, then dare I hope or dream for it to be done at the federal level, then that's just one barrier removed for the use yeah. of the stuff, uh, you know, the way it always was. Yeah. And the first barrier is the sales tax. And we've seen a lot of progress there, too. That, that, that was the one area where there was at least some good good law in the books. And that was, you know, the idea that when you purchase precious metals, many states would not charge a sales tax. But maybe 10 years ago, there were about 33 states that uh, had an exemption. Today, there are 42. And there are five states that have bills that would ex would would do the same and one at one state that would uh, expand the exemption they have. So, and hopefully we'll pass one or two of those this year. That's been the most attainable policy change at the state level is right. to get rid of the sales tax. And as we've kind of moved away from that, not moved away, but accomplished most of those, we're starting to focus more on the income tax, 
and on uh, legal tender type ideas, payment mechanisms, and some of the things like holding gold reserves in gold, the state holding gold as a reserve asset. And so that's where a lot of the energy is starting to shift because the sales tax battle has largely been won at this point. All over, but the, but the shouting, yeah. So, so, so tell our uh, audience about um, the salient points in, in the Wyoming bill. And so, sure. so the Wyoming bill, just to make sure I understand where it's at at the moment, we're recording this on February 7, 2023. It passed the Senate. Right. And is pending the House. Correct. In Wyoming. Yeah. And we don't have the committee yet that it's going to. We think it's going to the Revenue Committee, uh, but we won't know that probably till later today. But Wyoming legislation moves pretty fast. So we are going to do our best to mobilize through email and so forth and, and testify at the hearing uh, because it's going to come up very soon in the next few days and, and it'll either move forward or not. And we'll see. But in terms of what the Wyoming, Wyoming bill does, it builds upon the Legal Tender Act that we helped secure passage of in 2018 in Wyoming. And what that bill did was sort of it was it was it was fundamental, but it was mostly symbolic. But one thing it did do is it specifically said there shall be no taxation of any kind on precious metals, buying, selling, or any anything related to precious metals transactions in Wyoming. Now there already was no income tax in Wyoming, but there was a sales tax, so that obviously impacted the sale of. Uh, I'm sorry, the purchase of precious metals in Wyoming. So that bill knocked out the sales tax in Wyoming. There already was no income tax, but there's now another law that says there will be no income tax or any tax on gold and silver. It also affirmed that gold and silver are money in the state of Wyoming. And that includes, they call it specie and, and um, uh, specie legal tender. So specie would be gold bullion, silver bullion, rounds, bars, you know, valued based on the purity and weight. Um, specie legal tender is simply be a government minted version of, of specie. And so it, it declared that they are uh, legal tender in the state of Wyoming and said there will be no taxation on them. The amendments, which are now being considered in Wyoming, basically add more teeth and implementation of the, of the Wyoming Legal Tender Act. And it does it in several ways. Um, the first thing it does is it authorizes taxes to be paid to the state. Now, there's no income tax, but there's severance taxes from mining and other natural resources um, that are paid directly to the state. Uh, and so now if it passes, which it hasn't yet through the both chambers and hasn't been signed, but if it were to pass, it would permit uh, those who pay mineral taxes to pay those in gold or, or silver if they wished. And now presumably the state treasurer could provide an incentive for them to do so as a way of encouraging people to deposit or pay gold to the state so the state could accumulate gold uh, directly from you know, tax revenues. There was an earlier provision that was amended out that, that basically set the same system up at the local level where they have property taxes and other things, but there was a lot of pushback on that and so it was amended because of the logistics and it was un not understood how that would be handled. So it was amended just to deal with the mineral taxes in terms of the payment of, of, of taxes in gold and silver. And that's where it stands today. Totally fine. Um, then the next thing it does is it has the state treasurer creating basically a, a published exchange rate for gold and silver and what items it might take you know, will it take, uh, you know, gold eagles? Will it take uh, just gold bars? What is the exchange rate vis-a-vis -vis the Federal Reserve note? It will publish that information on, on the treasurer's website. It will, you know, provide guidance to those who may wish to, to use it or pay in it. Um, but also, and this is probably the, probably the most likely direct result of this bill, if it were to pass, it will, it will cause the treasurer, in fact, compel the treasurer to at least hold some physical gold on behalf of the taxpayers of the state of Wyoming. And so it will put the, the Wyoming treasurer's office in the business of understanding how to you know, receive value and hold gold and silver for the state. And that's gonna require you know, just setting up some systems, probably working with a depository, 
maybe some outside experts will come in and assist the treasurer in setting this up, build the plumbing, so to speak, for a goal-based system uh, to help make that, that tr potential transition down the road more possible or more, or more seamless. And then the part that I think is probably of the most interest to some of your uh, listeners and, and, and clients is the, the provision that says that the state treasurer may invest in precious metals leases and or bonds payable in precious metals. And so if that passes, uh, that will be the first state law that explicitly prompts the state treasurer to look at these kinds of investments specifically. I'm not suggesting that they aren't already something treasurers could do in their, you know, in their states. In many states, they probably could. But this is one where the will of the legislature would be, we want you to do this. And that presume and and by the way, the treasurer in Wyoming is very gold friendly. Uh, and so and he testified in support of the bill. So I think that if we can get this through the House and then signed by the governor, I think we're going to see some some really neat things come out of the Wyoming treasurer's office. That's really exciting that um, that they can invest it to get a yield on their gold. And I think the lack of the yield is the reason why the even the mainstream world kind of has a, a lot of them have a distaste for gold for that reason. Uh, obviously, a lot of them, I, I was going to say that's why, but that's the reason, but a lot of them, the reason is it's ideological. Right. It's the idea of gold and free markets just, you know, rubs them the wrong way. But, right. um, you know, for a lot of people, they just look at it and say, okay, but, you know, holding gold has a cost. And now, um, you know, if the treasurer's office is realizing a return on their gold, then even the, you know, even the kind of people that are, you know, working the bureaucracy in the state government can understand that. It's okay, yeah, I get it. Okay, so we have some T-bills that are doing this. We have some gold, price of gold is going up and we're getting this kicker of a couple percentage points. Um, and then, you know, for them that'll click and say, yeah, yeah, we like this. This is working well for the state. This is generating returns. We're, we're doing our fiduciary duty for the state taxpayers and, you know, our rainy day fund is accumulating, actually growing. Right. Because there's a surplus that we can do something with and return to the taxpayers or whatever in future years. Um, you know, everybody will be excited about that. Yeah, I think I think that actually uh, those in the treasurer's office, and I can't speak for them, but I, I know I've, I've interacted with them. And, and they do have kind of a Wall Street orientation, which which is a little bit hostile to gold bullion and gold ownership. Mm -hmm. But um, in fact, Jeff Christian, uh, interestingly, uh, a month or two ago on the KE report, did a great job of explaining why Wall Street hates gold. And one of the main points he made, and he said he's been saying it for decades, but I, I don't think a lot of people you know, necessarily realize the con conflict of interest that, that it goes on there. But he said basically that money managers want to sell clients on investments that they know they're going to be able to turn over. And you know the average turnover of an investment is 18 months or something like that. And so every 18 months, there's a new commission, um, a new fee or whatever for 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 that. And so with gold, you basically when you sell somebody gold, whether it be you know pr probably the case of the state, but certainly with individuals, when you sell them gold, more than likely they're going to hold on to that for a long period of time, and there won't be another commission uh, for the seller. Uh, and so I think, and he, and he sort of spilled the beans on this reality. And so for a variety of reasons, there's a lot of hesitance or, or, or just hostility by some of these people. But I think your point, I think that actually the, the idea of a gold yielding instrument or just a gold lease, uh, which has a yield, actually appeals more to those people. And those are some of the people in these, you know, they're making these investment decisions. So I, I would not be surprised if they embrace that. Uh, once they fully understand the opportunity there, even more than they will embrace the the you know requirement that they hold physical gold. But we'll see. Um, but either way, if this passes, it's going to be it's going to put Wyoming even further ahead than the other states uh, on the Sound Money Index. They're already at the top uh, of you know they're they're only fifty four percent, but they're at the top. Um, but this will this will put them even further ahead. But that said, there's other bills in other states that could. Could really yeah. Ho hopefully, run. other states you know leapfrog Wyoming and go even farther. Yeah. I mean, this, to me, this is so exciting. Uh, obviously, very validating to the monetary metals business model because we offer uh, you know develop and offer gold leases and gold bonds. 
And, um, you know, just to, just to see that, you know, now ratified, at, you know, that concept ratified at a government level, um, you know, this isn't wild-eyed crazy people, you know, in the comment section on, you know, Zero Hedge, this is state government. Um, that is just, you know, super exciting, uh, you know, for us as a company, but also just for the gold standard as a movement that, um, you know, here, the, I, we, we call it the Warren Buffett objection. Why do you want to own this thing? It's neither productive nor procreative. It doesn't generate a yield. You know, you buy a lump of gold, stick it in your desk drawer 20 years later. It's funny, he, he also said that 20 years later, it's not churning over 18 months. 20 years later, you pull that lump of metal out of your desk drawer, it's still the same lump. Right. It hasn't done anything for you. And when the mainstream world realizes that it could do something for you, it could be a regular conventional investment, um, you know, a gold bond is, is, is a lending instrument uh, that's financing a productive enterprise. And like any such instrument, it pays, it pays an interest rate. Um, when people realize that, then some of, the, uh, some of the tar that's, you know, splashed onto gold, you know, yeah. is cleaned off and people can say, oh, you know, this, this thing's actually pretty shiny and it's pretty and it's nice. And, it, you know, we can get involved with that. Um, and you know, if that happens, who knows? This, this gold idea might sweep the world even one day. I've noticed, and you know, when when we're talking about the the whole idea of yield versus holding the physical, I I've noticed that those that say, okay, the yield is inherent, we got to have yield, we can't have no yield, and they they sort of for and and of course, yield is good, particularly if it's in gold, but the it, it glosses over the the fact that gold. Is I mean I, I consider it like cash except it's it's better than cash because it it doesn't lose its value over time and they seem very focused on yield like even you know a few years ago in Wyoming we had a couple of people saying we can't we got to have a yield we can't you know we can't just have gold sitting there but yet they're you know they have third world debt that they own a huge amount of yeah and it has a nine percent yield but it lost 30, 40 percent. <laughs> so, so whereas gold, you know, has no no yield, but it's not it's gaining in capital at least vis-a-vis -vis the the devaluing Federal Reserve note. And so there, it's interesting. The the mindset is, you know, if it doesn't have a yield, then you're not making money. Uh, but they're not concerned about you know the 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 negative real return they have on their bond portfolio, which which has a you know one percent two percent yield. But is actually getting getting a negative five percent real return. Um, so there's a sort of a psychological glitch that people have when they think about physical gold. Uh, but you know, if you can have physical gold and yield, all the better. I mean, in in the you did a study I saw where you looked at uh, the, the performance of a portfolio with physical gold over the last twenty years, and then and it was you know adding ten percent to the portfolio. And it had a higher overall rate of return and lower volatility if you add it to a portfolio of you know stocks and bonds. And then when you add it gold with a yield, it has an even higher uh, overall rate of return with lower volatility. So they're both good and and they're both vitally needed in a portfolio. Um, but the question of how to do it, you know, obviously you're I guess you're you know you're introducing more risk whenever you do something that has a yield, uh, more risk than just yeah. The, the first thing that needs to be said and the first slide and literally every deck we put out is that without, you know, there's no such thing as a, as a return or a yield without a risk. Anybody right. promising you that, you should run. And now, of course, the crypto space, not to take any cheap pot shots there, but the crypto space, some of those old slide decks are coming out of what these companies were promising. was like risk-free returns of 8% or 18%. And, um, you know, that they're going to really get burned by, uh, by their own words. But, um, you know, my, my personal theory on this is that the people that, you know, get bring themselves to the point where they want to actually lease their gold and, and lend their gold on via bond program also are going to have some physical gold that they're going to hold. Right. It's not all or nothing. It's not either don't hold any gold or put it all in yield. There's going to be some, you know, some way, some balance of like, okay, some in the yield, some you know, as one would hold cash versus investments right. you know, in dollars. Not every dollar is put into, uh, you know, long-term bonds, for example. Um, and it never was that way. Even in the time of the gold standard, people would have gold coin 
you know, in their pocket or their uh, sock drawer. They would have some uh, maybe in a bank safe deposit box um, and they would have some deposited to get a return. And everybody sets that balance based on risk preference, time preference, liquidity preference. You know, economic theory has all kinds of different um, angles for looking at that. And um, probably the same thing would be true with the state government. My guess would be, you know, if Wyoming passes this, um, you know, in the first instance, and if they, if the treasurer decides to go forward and do some sort of gold lease, my guess would be that it would be like 1%, that he would just barely just tip that first toe in the water. But what happens is, then, oh, wow, that was cool. Only, but, you know, I, I got a return on it, but it was only 1% of the portfolio. And so right. next year, then, you know, he would dip two toes in. Right. And over yeah. some period of years, eventually it sort of asymptotes out of whatever their comfort level is, which is probably yeah. less than 50% anyway, I would think. I think I think it's all about just taking that first step and getting getting the system in place to understand it and and basically prompting the treasurer, hey, this is important. It's a missing asset class. We have tremendous impetus right now to to look at gold and silver given what's happening in the financial system. We're sitting ducks. We don't have to be sitting ducks. Let's get up to speed on how to deal in gold, how to hold gold, how to value gold, and potentially how to invest in, you know, gold instruments or gold bonds and leases. And that's all this bill does. I mean, it's 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 not that, you know, they're actually looking at a Wyoming stable token right now at the same time. That passed the Senate at the same time. You know, that's I don't want to cast aspersions on that, but the point it's a link, it's linked to the dollar. It's a crypto Wyoming dollar. And so I mean they're willing to try innovative things like that. Um, and it was interesting. There was one one representative who who was uh, in favor of our our bill, and she said, "If we can vote for a Wyoming stable token bill, we can <laughs> certainly vote for a bill that allows the state to own gold." Uh, and you know, given its history and it's not new and it doesn't have this cloud, um, so you know that argument resonated. That said, it only passed sixteen fifteen through the Senate, and uh, of course, it's like a I think we got one Democrat out of two because there's no Democrats in Wyoming. You have to be a Republican to win a primary in Wyoming. So you have, you know, don't have many Democrats. Um, but we got we got 16 votes. It was bipartisan, but it was close and uh, unfortunately too close. But it, it moves forward. So we'll see. We'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks in the House. That's very exciting. I, I think I was there in 2018. Is this the same treasurer? I'm pretty sure I met was either. No, the you were there in 2019, I think. 2019. But it is it is the same treasurer you met, yes. Who, who seems you know receptive at the time. Yeah. And, um, and is this the same bill sponsor that I met? Um no, Roy Roy Edwards died actually. Um, so this is uh this is at, well, you you may know Bob Bob Ied. You he wasn't in the yeah, Senate. That's what I was thinking of. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Bob 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 was out on the outside supporting you know, our efforts. And now he's a senator and he was the sponsor of this bill. He just got elected. This is his first bill that he's passed uh, through his chamber. Oh, so wow. Very he, cool. You know, it's, it's a top priority for him. Um, but the state treasurer uh, is supportive, Kurt Meyer, and the the uh, the Senate Majority Leader um, was also a, a big advocate. Um, so Larry Hicks, and he was vocal on the Senate floor and during the debate, which you can see if you go to moneymetals.com, there's an article. You can actually watch the 20 minute debate uh, of the final passage in the Senate, which was interesting. Um, and then, you know, we'll see there'll be a House hearing probably in a couple of days. Um, but, you know, there's another bill I should mention. There's a bill in, in Missouri that would almost do all the things that we're trying to get done in Wyoming. Um, that's that just. Uh, that that's being voted on for third reading today in the Missouri Senate. It's already passed the committee. Um, it would declare gold and silver as legal tender. It would remove capital gains taxes, and it would allow for taxes to be paid in gold and silver. And it would allow the state to hold gold. It doesn't talk about leases or bonds, but it has many of these other aspects. Um, so that kind of comes out of the blue in Missouri because, I mean, we have a sales tax exemption there. Uh, but there's some sound money forces there and they're very energized and, you know, they seem to have some momentum and we're doing what we can to support it. Um, they even had a they even had a, a provision to have a state depository, uh, but they stripped that out because it's just so much all at once. 
And I don't think it's necessary to consider that at this stage in a state like that. Um, too much, too much objections, too much cost, uh, too much, too little understanding. Um, right. So, yeah, there's a lot of very interesting bills right now. It yeah. sounds like, from my understanding, that once you get one small win, no matter how symbolic or kind of you know maybe different than some of the other bills that have passed, other states feel kind of that competitive pressure to say, yeah. well, if Wyoming did it, yeah, maybe we're a step or two below on that sound money index, but if we pass our own, you know, bill here, or if we amend right. our previously passed bill, there's this ratchet effect, which when everyone starts to compete, you get yeah. actually a positive outcome instead of in politics, what's usually the opposite, you know, a, a yeah. competition to the bottom. hundred percent. That's part of the dynamic we're seeing. You especially see that on sales tax because now you have states um, and I'll, I'll just give some examples. Mississippi, there's a Mississippi bill to repeal the sales tax in Mississippi. That state is now surrounded by states that have no sales tax on gold and silver. Kentucky, there's a bill that's being introduced next week or possibly this week. Same thing, surrounded by states without a sales tax. Wisconsin, sales tax repeal, surrounded by states without a sales tax. So you, you start having this, you know, this, like you are, you are like an outlier. You're, you're, this is an outmoded, even controversial practice of taxing gold and silver purchases. And so you're able to really, and, and they're looking at this like, we don't want to be like the only state. I mean, I mean, there's even business reasons. Put aside the, the ideological, you have the business reasons. You got, you got coin shows won't come to your state. Uh, they don't want a sales tax collector milling around, you know, checking everybody's certificate, all these out of state, out of town people getting nailed. The, the coin industry, like we're not even going to go to a state that has a has a sales tax. Then you have customers that cross state lines. You know, if you're surrounded by states without sales tax, you people will go to the next state to buy their gold. It's worth it. You know, I mean, that, theoretically, if they bring it back into the sales tax state, they're supposed to pay a use tax, uh, but they don't. And so, you know, they they'll probably don't even realize they're supposed to. But the bottom line is it's bad for business, um, putting aside the sound money aspects. And so I think on the sales tax, we've gotten to that point where there's so much momentum that it's just really making it less and less difficult, if not easy. You know, I won't, don't want to say easy, but it's 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 becoming way less difficult because of the fact that you know we now have 42 states. And so you know, hopefully, we'll achieve the same thing. You know, I know that at some of these uh, you know conservative legislator or liberty oriented you know conclaves, there's presentations. J.P. Cortez goes to a lot of these things legislators will, you know, compare notes about what's being done. And, and with everyone talking about inflation right now, it's, I mean, it's, it's the number one issue or number two issue in the country. Um, and so this is part of that solution. And I think for all these reasons, we're just seeing a tremendous amount of enthusiasm and momentum. Um, I was going to say. We haven't passed anything yet this year, but we'll see. There's a very interesting thing in the I don't know if I guess I'd call it political economic, political macroeconomic backdrop to all this, which is there's overt discussion of, you know, and a lot of economic thinking is wrong, but in the mainstream thought, there's this trade-off between inflation and employment. And, you know, there's a very deliberate sort of callous, let's render some people unemployed to reduce demand and reduce consumer prices, or at least slow inflation. And um you know, for a lot of years, that kind of conversation wasn't really, didn't, didn't break out into the public awareness. You know, you have the Fed, most people have no idea what the Fed really does, and it's supposed to keep the money stable and employment stable, and nobody really thinks anything more about it. And as long as things are kind of, sort of, almost okay, they weren't really okay, but most of those years, in the last, you know, 30 or 40 years, most of those years seemed okay anyway at the time, and then you had a crisis every once in a while, and then the Fed, you know, visibly gets involved and tamps it down, and the Treasury has a, you know, whatever bailout, and then, you know, things go back to normal. But now there's this, you know, calculating, let's unemploy people to keep the money more stable. And of course, the other side of it is, no, let's keep people employed and damn the inflation. Yeah. And, yeah. um, yeah, so it's become, it's just now the choice is just people are given these two bad choices and everyone's talking about it. It's like, why why are these the choices we have? High inflation or high unemployment, you know, or both? And <laughs> like, there's a quote from Milton Friedman 
everyone thinks he was this free market guy. And that's, that's one of the axes I grind. But there's this quote, we're talking about daylight savings. And he said, now you might say that um, if anybody wants to, you know, get up later and, um, you know, in the winter and, and, you know, wait for the sunrise to get up, they could do so. And everyone can set their clocks however they want. But isn't it so much more efficient to have a master clock? And, and he's analogizing to, sure, you know, all the employers and all the workers could negotiate and renegotiate their wage agreements, but isn't it so much more efficient to just devalue the currency and, and save all these people the, the trouble of renegotiating? Well, of course, anybody who's holding savings is like, wait a minute, I'm collateral damage. You said it would be easier to debase the currency to save all those other people the bother of having to renegotiate, but now you've just you know, decimated my, literally every year decimating my savings by taking 10% away. And um, that, you know, whole concept has now exploded back into the public consciousness where it hadn't been, it hadn't been dormant for, you know, arguably four decades. And so people start to think about, wait a minute, what about this gold thing that they can't debase? And yeah. that's, the, that's the sea change that, um, you know, as we talk to our customers, we see that, uh, you know, underway right now. Um, and, and it's kind of unfortunate. I mean, it's fortunate in the sense that people are thinking about gold. And anyway, they'll be thinking about gold. I'll take it. I'm happy with it. But in a way, it's unfortunate because it's taking a tragedy. You know, it's like some car has to crash and somebody has to die before people think about, yeah, you know, we should really put seatbelts on our kids and not have this, you know, recur. Um, yeah. It's tragic that that had to happen. Um, but I think that's, I think that's a, a big part of the backdrop of why, um, you know, so many people are thinking about it at this moment in time. Yeah. But, and yet at the same time, I think it's still a very small minority of people that are thinking about it, you know, in terms of gold or even policies related to gold. I mean, people are generally aware of and concerned about inflation, but I would say we still have a big communication challenge to, to kind of steer people and their minds in the right direction. Because, I mean, if you look at the interest in, in gold and silver, just as, as an asset to own or as, as a form of investment, um, it's still very, very, very small participation. Very small. No, I, I agree with that. I was going to say, but it's a slightly less small today versus a yes. couple of years ago. Yeah, it's double. It's double, but it went from, you know, half a percent to one percent. But I, I mean, share, yeah, doubles again, that's two. I'll uh, share um, something that um, one of our uh, uh, board members said to me when we were talking about this topic and, you know, changing the world and all that. And he said, Supposedly, Lenin wrote a letter to Marx back in, I don't know if it was the late, you know, like 1890s or 1900s, and I don't know when Marx died, so this, this may not actually work, but the story as I heard it was that Lenin wrote to Marx and said, the success of the revolution is assured because there's now 10 people that uh, understand uh, Marxism. And, you know, you could look at that and dismiss that and say, okay, that's cocky, you know, but th there's a sentiment there that, okay, mm -hmm. when an idea is, you know, obviously I don't think that Marxism is, is, is good, but there's no question that, um, you, you know, the world was, was dry tinder waiting for that idea to burst into conflagration mm -hmm. that swept the world. And um, that was a rotten idea, so it, it, it was harmful to adopt it. But uh, there's a certain sense that when the tinder is dry and, and ready for that idea, it doesn't take all that many people that get it. And most of the people, you know, in the mainstream will never really get it. They'll go along with the idea because they're swept up with the crowd. Mm -hmm. um, there's a video that um, is popular in um, startup communities and venture capital communities. And I don't know if it's called Dancing Man. I don't remember what it's called. But it basically shows a bunch of college kids, um, you know, kind of kind of sitting there picnicking on this grassy hill. And this one guy gets up and he's kind of freaky looking and he starts to dance and he's kind of like spastic. I've seen that. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> and there's a narrator like voiceover is like some venture capitalist or something or some consultant. And he's like, this isn't the important part, blah, 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 blah. You know, let's see if all the other kids will ignore him. And then another kid gets up and the narrator says, this is the important moment. It's the first follower. 
he's the one who creates the movement other than, you know, without him, it's just a spastic guy, you know, <laughs> jerking and, and hurting and jerking his way on the hill. But this, having a follower has now set the seeds for this to be a movement. Let's see if anyone else joins in. Sure enough, someone else joins in. And now you have a movement. And, and the moral of the story is make it easy to follow, make it easy for people to participate, make it fun, you know, make people feel like they're belonging, like all these things that as the, as the thing goes on. And by the end, every last kid is not sitting there picnicking anymore. They're all dancing to, you know, whatever yeah. the music was. And, I've seen um, that video and that was, uh, that was really compelling, actually, um, about it's a microcosm of, of the network yeah. effect. So, so do people really understand, you know, is there a large number of people that are thinking about gold right now? Absolutely not. But is this the moment that, uh, you know, the tinders dry and, you know, the gold idea becomes the spark that sets the world alight? Remains to be seen. Uh, I, I wouldn't want to prematurely declare victory, uh, you know, just yet. But um, it's it's things like this Wyoming bill that, that give me, you know, in, encouraging signs, I'll put it that way. That um, yeah, there there there's a lot of the stuff that's falling into place now. That I thought after 2008, that you know the response of both the monetary authority and the fiscal authority, you know the, the Fed and the Treasury after 2008 was so insane that literally every chart, you know, if you looked at you know Fed balance sheet or anything else, any chart, you know, basically everything up till 2008 looks like a flat line. Now, if you cut, if you cut out after two thousand eight, it wasn't a flat line. It had a slope, and there was zigs and zags and everything else. But when you saw what they did in two thousand eight, basically a flat line, just about at zero, and then this moonshot, or other graphs, you know, would just completely fall off the cliff. And um, you know, and there were so many of them that um, I thought, my God, everyone is going to come and realize that um, you know this system is 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 you know, failing in a fundamental way. And a few people did. But then what happened was the Fed tamped it down and they got the market to come back and buy, um, you know, junk bonds and everything else. And then everyone said, oh, see, it's working. And the Fed did what they're supposed to do. They're a bunch of really smart technocrats and they did all the necessary things. And, we, you know, we don't understand it, but they did the right thing. And, um, you know, everything was fine. You know, by 2011, you know, victory was declared. And, um, you know, but then, you know, we had another little eruption, what about 2017? And then obviously a much bigger eruption when COVID lockdowns hit. And now we're dealing with the hangover from the COVID stimulus. And each, each episode, there are more people that, you know, kind of open their eyes and look around and say, oh my God, I had no idea. This mm -hmm. is what our masters were doing to us. And um, anyways, this is, this is super, super exciting. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm gratified to see that the early efforts that I did kind of helped, you, you know, lead to this as I bowed out. And, um, uh, but I'm also glad that I had that chance to go to Wyoming, meet some of those folks. Um, maybe I planted a seed or two in some of the things I said, I hope. Um, and now just, you know, really grateful and thank you for your efforts and um, the Sound Money Project. No, uh, what do you call it? Not Sound Money Project. Sound Money Defense League. Sound Money Defense League. There's something called the Sound Money Project, which I've written for, but that's a different thing. Um, but I'm really grateful for, for your efforts and JP at the Sound Money Defense League. And um, man, just to see virtually all states getting rid of sales tax is just, you, you know, an incredible, an incredible thing to see because that's not how the world was for, right. for many, many years. So you really can change the world. Yeah, and it's, it's really, it's, it's just so much easier to do public policy at the state level where with organization and grassroots, these legislators don't usually see that on any one bill. So at the federal level, you know, they get hammered on all the time by their constituents. At the state level, our bills have become, in some cases, the most popular or the, the one of the most talked about bills at the state level because the grassroots, we have very enthusiastic people. We're, we're sending out emails, direct mail to people in the state, asking them to contact, giving them something to do. And they're doing it. And they're doing it in a manner that 
these legislators are not seeing on other bills. And yet there's no real opposition, at least for the sales tax stuff. There, nobody really opposes that. So it's like all this support, no opposition, you know, it, it makes it a lot easier to do. Um, that was something I used to argue in Arizona. And I remember going to Texas uh, and at least one or two other states is that, look, most of the legislation that comes before you creates a winner and a loser. And you know, winners are going to be here telling you how great it is, but you're also hurting somebody and somebody's going to be pissed off and want to vote against you in the next election. Right. But this stuff to you know lift this tax or um, you know make makes the state slightly friendlier to people that have gold doesn't create any losers. There's nobody here showing up saying you're taking away my livelihood. Right. Uh, you know you're hurting my kids. You know if you cut the school budget by one ten, one one thousandth of one percent. Um, you know, everybody shows up and says, you know, you're hurting children. Right. Um, you don't have that with us. There really isn't an opposition other than sort of the broad-based ideological antipathy to gold. But those people don't aren't really motivated to show up because it's right. not really affecting their lives. And so the the testimony in every bill that I that I went to, the, the people that showed up to testify in the chambers was completely lopsided. You know, you'd have 17 people that wanted to get in a word and say, yeah, please pass this. And, and zero, or you had the um, the legislative council said there's a constitutional issue, or you had a fiscal note, and the treasurer said, well, by requiring us to accept payment from the public in gold, we now have a problem of we don't have the technology to detect counterfeits, we don't have the security, we don't have a safe in our office, you know, you have those right. sorts of, uh, I, I guess I'd call them quibbles. Technical yeah. objections, yeah. yeah. But you didn't have the public showing up saying, don't pass this, you morons, you baby killers. You know, you didn't have <laughs> any of that. You just had all the people showing up uh, saying, look, it's constitutional, it's sound money, so, you know, right. protect us from the Fed. And um, so the politics are very one-sided, which is favorable. Yeah. Ben, Ben, you, uh, you were jumping in there. I wanted to ask you because, you know, change occurs on the margin and a lot of people are going to be listening to this and saying, wow, you know, Stefan's doing incredible work. Um, maybe they're clients of Monetary Metals and they want to know how they can get involved kind of in the Sound Money Defense League. What are some ways that, let's start with a, a simple question. What are some ways that an individual who kind of has no experience with any of this stuff can get involved either specifically in Wyoming or just in general with Sound Money and Sound Money initiatives? Yeah, well, I guess, first of all, we have a lot of information on the soundmoneydefense.org website and the moneymetals.com website. Um, so sign up for the email list on either of those sites, moneymetals.com or soundmoneydefense.org. And we will be able to contact you when we have a legislative project in your state. Um, you know, we have literally about 700,000 email addresses. Um, many of those are customers or money metals and many, many are just people that are on our list. Um, if you're a customer of Money Metals, we are sending out direct mail in targeted states. We just sent out uh, 8,000 letters to Wisconsin today and 7,000 letters to Minnesota. We're sending 3,000 letters out to Mississippi tomorrow to our customers because we have their mailing address. And we're telling them, hey, you know, contact this committee chairman or these people. Here's the bill numbers. Here's what's to say. So we're doing that by email and mail. So, you know, the way to engage would be to get on our list so that we can contact you. Uh, and, and when we know of a, a bill coming up, we can alert you. You can obviously just follow the news um, or just on your own uh, contact people. You know, if you know there's a bill in Wyoming, which there is, mm. you know, the, the issue right now is the state house. We, we want the state house to pass it. Um, the bill number is SF-101. You can contact, if you're in Wyoming, contact your state house member and contact the members of the revenue the revenue committee and tell them to pass the bill. And, you know, that stuff really works. Honestly, it really does work, particularly at the state level. Um, going in with arguments is great, but, you know, when, when it comes to politicians, they their sole focus, you know, or at least for many of them, is getting elected. And, you know, I, I guess it was Senator Everett Dirksen who said in a big, you know, back in the 60s, and there are lots of big, big, big debates, um, and he was the Senate president pro tem. Uh, he said, when I feel the heat, I see the light. And that's really fundamentally how it works. Politics is, is not about necessarily making the right argument. You don't have to be right. It's good. You know, we are right, but that's not really necessary to win, uh, as we know. 
Um, and so, you know, grassroots activism really works, particularly at the state level. So that's that's how people can help. That was my first question. My second question, maybe it's a little more nuanced, which is, let's say I'm a politician or I'm, you know, somehow involved in state level politics. What's a way that I could personally get involved? Um, maybe I want to, you know, pass a bill or sponsor a bill that, that looks similar or has some sound money initiative. Let's say I'm watching right now. How could I get so we have a we we publish the Sound Money Index every year, and we go through and we rank every state on about thirteen policies related to sound money, and basically, and then we here's the map. Um, but basically, we have model bills for most of these uh, pieces of legislation or these policies, and so we would be happy to if somebody contacts Money Metals or Sound Money Defense, there's a contact form, whatever. If you're a legislator. Uh, you can reach out to us and we will provide you with uh, model bills. Uh, we may even, you know, provide with grassroots support and, and testimony for the bill. Uh, we can help, help you know, draft or modify bills if needed. And so we're, we're there and that's, you know, there's, there, there's, there's some opportunities to look at what other states are doing and just grab the language. We're seeing that now. I mean, a lot, some of the bills, maybe a third of them are bills that we didn't initiate. They just grab language and and some of it's good language, some of it's not as good, but either way, there's a lot of enthusiasm and it's just happening even without us. I, I feel like we played an important role in fostering this, but obviously we can't take credit for, for a lot of this. And Keith, I kind of want to throw some of the final questions to you. So, you know, that you, you shared that quote about, well, now that 10 people know how this works, you know, it's game over. We, we victory is sealed. Can you explain to at least the, the two of us, listening, I, I know Stefan definitely knows, but you know, to anyone listening in the audience, what is the benefit of a gold lease? What is a gold bond? Maybe some people have, have never heard of it. Maybe they're not clients of monetary metals. What What is the kind of uh, one minute uh, elevator pitch as to the gold standard through this kind of gold bond or gold lease mechanism? So um, very broad question there. I think the, the aspect that I'll focus on is that there's a win-win you know, deal to the lessee, um, it's inventory, right? So if you had an inventory of, I don't know, um, nuts and bolts or little copper fittings, you know, those are base metals that are relatively cheap. You may not necessarily need to worry about financing your inventory of nuts and bolts. If you're a hardware store, it's, you know, it may add up to a few dollars and whatever, it's pocket change. But gold is, you know, $1,900 an ounce. It's, it's gotta be financed somehow. And if you borrow dollars to finance it, then you have this mismatch between the financing, the liability is dollars and the asset is gold. And if the gold price drops, you could be insolvent if it drops enough. So then you have to hedge. And if you uh, lease the gold, you don't have the hedging problems and risks and costs and complexities uh, and management headaches. Um, you just have the inventory you need without the price risk that you don't want. And on the other side, if somebody who owns gold, who um, by allowing that gold to be used by somebody else's inventory is getting a return on it. And so it's just a nice win-win deal that that's what, that's what free markets are at the end of the day. Ship out all the ideology about what works and what doesn't work and what's fair and what's not fair and all this. It's, it's, deals don't happen unless they're win-win um, without you know, somebody coming along with, with coercion with a gun and say, well, you're gonna have to do this anyway, even though you don't choose to. Um, so how do you get a gold standard? It's when people, when anybody has the right and the opportunity, but not the obligation to put their gold to work, financing something productive. As we saw with, with crypto, there was all sorts of promises of things that call themselves yields, but it was all self-referential. You know, it's now become infamous, the Alex Machinsky so-called flywheel which is basically a Ponzi scheme. Well, you know, you're getting all this deposit in and it you know, uh, finances the purchase of more and then more people buy more. And the, as long as the price keep, keeps going up, you know, the Ponzi scheme you know, seems to work. But there's no actual yield there because um, you know, the only money that comes into the system is the, the money of the next person to buy in. And when you finally run out of buyers in, then you know, it collapses. But to have a sustainable system-wide you know, yield, it's because you're financing production and the, the yield is paid out of part of the profits generated from that production. 
And so um, when anybody that wants to deposit their gold to get a return on it can do so, that's a gold standard. That's a working gold standard. Um, and so, you know, leases is, you know, the first step, you know, towards, towards scaling that in a big way. Right. Well, Keith, thank you for the explanation. Now there's at least 10 of us who, who know how this works. Um, so, so victory is certainly sealed. Steph, and I want to say thank you, obviously, for the work of the Sound Money Defense League. Um, but where can people find you? Where can people get in contact with you? Let's say, you know, I'm a Florida legislator and I go, wow, this episode was awesome. I, I want to get on the top of the list. I want to beat Wyoming. Um, what's the best way to do that? Where can they find you? Where can they get in contact and just learn more about Sound Money? Yeah, uh, go to go to uh, soundmoneydefense.org and there's a contact us form there. That's one way. We're also on Twitter uh, and and so is Money Metals that Money Metals handle on Twitter. Uh, so you can tweet at us, you can email us, you can call us. There's a phone number on both websites, moneymetals.com and soundmoneydefense.org. Uh, it'll it'll come to me uh, or JP if it's related to this you know topic of policy. Um, so I'll, I'll put out JP Cortez's email as well. So he's a JP Cortez. So it's JP dot Cortez at soundmoneydefense.org. JP dot JP dot Cortez at soundmoneydefense.org. So that's, that's probably the best contact person for, for legislators. Stefan, do you have a, a handy reference for Wyoming, um, House of Representatives members? for people that live in Wyoming to um, be able to contact? We are about to, we're, it's being assigned to a committee today. So as soon as we know which committee, then we're gonna issue something out. So I can email that to you guys and and then you'll have it and you can forward it or make it available. Yeah, well, we should attach it to the um, to this okay. video. Sure. And then um, I know we've got a couple of folks, um, you know, in, in Wyoming, including one of our directors, uh, that we're already asking about. Um, okay, good. How, how can they help? So well, they can obviously contact any member of the house, um, but we'll specifically be focusing people on contacting the committee. Right. Once At this stage, right, it's that committee, absolutely. Yeah. And then once it passes that committee, I'm, I'm being great. Well, what's, what's the word assuming? What's the word? Um, using positive assumption. I forget the, the positive term. reinforcement. Right. <laughs> no, no. When you when you assume a good outcome. You don't say if we win, you're going to say when we win, then we're going to do right. this. So assuming the positive after that, then we're going to want people to reach out to everybody in the Wyoming House right. and not just the members of the committee. Once right. it passes that, then it's on to the governor and everyone should reach out to the governor. Yeah. And if you're a constituent in Wyoming, you should definitely contact your own state house member right away and tell them you're interested in this bill, you want them to support it. You know, if you're an actual constituent for that person, they may feel like they need to follow up on it. They might talk to the committee member if they're not on the committee, that kind of thing. Right. And it's Senate File 101, SF 101, and it's the Wyoming Legal, Te Legal Tender Act Amendments, but it's SF 101, that's the bill number. All right. Well, Stefan, thanks so much. We'll make sure to have all of this kind of information in the description, how people get in contact with you. How can they get in contact with the Sound Money Defense League? want to say thank you so much. It sounds like 2023 is going to be a killer year for Sound Money. Looks and so. we look forward to having you on 2024 when every single state is uh, issuing gold leases and gold bonds. <laughs> we don't use dollars anymore and uh, we can pay you in, okay. in uh, gold and silver. That's when your show collapses. So they, they, <laughs> There's nothing to say anymore because it's all been said and all been done. I it's, will happily relinquish this role. We're going to hold you, hold you accountable for that. Okay, I'll do my best. But <laughs> Stefan, if I so get much, fired guys. because we go back to a gold standard, I will be the happiest unemployed person uh, on the planet. So thanks so much, and uh, we'll see you see you next year. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Right, take care. This episode was brought to you by Monetary Memphis. Monetary Metals is a different kind of gold company. Others buy and sell gold. Monetary Metals operates the Gold Yield Marketplace, a platform of products that offer a yield on gold paid in gold to investors and institutions, and our gold financing simplified, reliable financing denominated in gold with a built-in hedge for gold-using and gold-producing businesses. To learn more, visit www.monetary-metals.com. Com. See you next time.
Well, that will do it for this week. Be sure to check back next Friday for our next weekly market wrap podcast. Until then, this has been Mike Leeson with Money Metals Exchange. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you for joining us for this week's Money Metals podcast. Be sure to come back next week and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast through iTunes. For answers to all of your questions, or to discreetly and securely buy or sell gold or silver coins, bars, and rounds, call 1-800-800-1865 or visit www.moneymetals.com. Our knowledgeable and no-pressure specialists are standing by to answer your call during business hours, Monday through Saturday. Or you can lock in your order online, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Again, visit us at www.moneymetals.com or call 1-800-800-1865.